Welcome to Mountain State Cardboard, a podcast about sports, sports cards, and life from the Mountain State of West Virginia. If you're looking for guaranteed hot picks and lead pipe lock advice on the next big thing in sports cards, just turn around now. This isn't the show for you. This is a fun conversation about the hobby we all love. Peace, love, and penny sleeves. Welcome to another episode of Mountain State Cardboard. I'm Tim. This is my podcast about sports, sports cards, and life. Welcome to the show. If you would be so kind, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And as always, you can find me on the socials, Twitter and Instagram, at WVCardboard. You can find the website, WVCardboard.com, and shoot me an email, WVCardboard at gmail.com. Connect with me. Let's have a conversation. Another week and a lot going on in the world of sports. And in our main topic today, I'm going to piggyback off of uh, what one of my favorite content creators has uh, started coining in the last week or so uh, in the hobby. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, starting out with some sports thoughts, and and it was a big week in sports. Uh, NBA draft, uh, NFL action. Lots of things going on in the world of baseball that don't necessarily involve the play on the field. And I'm going to start there. And a couple of stories from the world of baseball that I want to point out just because I want to make sure that we're all paying attention and that we all get out in front of, I think, a narrative that's going to come out this winter in Major League Baseball. And that narrative is going to be one of austerity. It's going to be teams talking about uh, not having money, about uh, not being able to pay players. It's going to be about how much money they lost due to the pandemic in 2020. And because of that, you're going to see depressed free agency salaries. You're going to see teams uh, not willing to spend money on the product on the field. And you've also seen um, layoffs, including most recently the Dodgers letting go of some um, uh, some professional staff. I think about 40 people uh, got uh, the axe last week uh, from the Dodgers, world champion Dodgers. So... You're going to hear a lot about that, but I I want you to pay attention. And I'm not a class warrior by any stretch of the imagination, but what I am is a truth warrior. And I want you to pay attention to what's happening. Watch what people do, not what, what they say. Fenway Sports Group, owner of the Boston Red Sox, announced last week that they're going to buy another professional franchise. And they haven't said what they've identified it, but they haven't they haven't said what it is, but it is a another professional franchise in a major league. Now whether that means it won't be another major league baseball team, but whether that means an NFL team, a, an NBA team, a major league soccer team, or perhaps because they own a uh, a European football club, maybe another European football club, not sure. But they are going to buy another franchise. That is a multi-billion dollar endeavor to buy another franchise. Yet they themselves have cut staff. They themselves have slashed payroll. Go back to last year when they dumped Mookie Betts for next to nothing. Uh, who you know was an integral part of the Dodgers World Series run. So at the same time that the Fenway Sports Group is talking about not having money to pay players and celebrating the fact that they got under the luxury tax threshold in Major League Baseball last year by getting rid of Mookie Betts, who was a generational talent, they cry poor, but yet at the same time they turn around and say that they're going to buy another franchise. So think about that. 
this winter when the Red Sox are not spending money in free agency, even though owning the Boston Red Sox is a license to print money. And then the other uh, news I thought was interesting from Major League Baseball this week, uh, Wrigley Field is named a historic landmark. It it got historic landmark uh, designation. And that's exciting. And if you're a fan of the Cubs or you're a fan of Major League Baseball, especially the history of Major League Baseball, that is exciting. It's cool. It sounds good on the surface. But then you dig a little deeper and you start looking at what it really is. And it's really about tax breaks and tax cuts for the Ricketts family owning that property, which is now a historically designated landmark. And this is also the Ricketts family that saw perhaps the if not the best, one of the two or three best general managers or baseball operations guy in all of Major League Baseball, Theo Epstein, resigned because he saw the cost-cutting coming. This is a franchise that has openly said that they're willing to trade any of their young talent, or any of their veterans, rather, uh, this young talent that they've developed, guys like Javier Baez, guys like Kyle Schwarber, certainly guys like Chris Bryant, are all available via trade because they don't want to pay them anymore. So again, with Major League Baseball, watch what they do, not what they say. It's cool that Wrigley's a historic landmark, but please understand that it means less about the history of baseball and more about tax cuts for the Ricketts family uh, who have shown no propensity to want to spend any more money than they absolutely have to. So uh, again, not a class warrior, just a truth warrior. Take all of this news out of Major League Baseball with a grain of salt. There's not going to be a lot of spending in the offseason this year by Major League Baseball owners. They started rolling that out during the World Series, talking about how broke they are. Um, By contrast, you have seen money being spent in the NBA offseason. Free agency got underway this weekend. The NBA draft was last weekend. What an exciting time. And I'm going to start first by talking about my Detroit Pistons. I am uh, cautiously optimistic almost to the to the verge of being excited about Killian Hayes. He was one of two or three guys that I knew would be available around that seven pick that I was hoping that they would land, and they did get uh, Killian Hayes. The guy I really wanted was Denny Avdia uh, out of Israel, but uh, and I'll get to him in a second, but um, you know, drafted Killian Hayes, drafted Sadiq Bey, made a bunch of other roster moves, brought in what I thought was a great pickup in Jeremy Grant, getting him from the Nuggets. Um, that's going to end up basically being uh, Grant and someone else for um, Blake Griffin, which I'm fine with. I think you've got you're starting to build a young uh, core in Detroit that they're going to try to develop. Um, you know, drafting Hayes, drafting Bay. You've got Sekou Dumboye out there. You've got a couple of other young guys. Uh, out there. I think Bruce Brown hit the road uh, in a deal as well. So he's gone. But, you know, you're, you're developing. You, you got rid of Luke Kennard. You, you got rid of guys that I think you, you were expendable. And now you're, I don't know. I'm talking myself into it because I'm a fan. I don't know. Uh, and that's what it all comes back to is it's all speculation, right? I wanted Denny Avdia because I did my research on who would fall around the six through nine picks in the draft most likely. And and I started watching some film and watching YouTube videos. And, you know, I, I really liked Denny Avja. I think he's got the opportunity to be really, really good. He played professionally in Israel and, and uh, played in a very, very tough environment and tough league and showed that he could play. And I think, you know, Washington got a great player. He, they, they picked him up uh, on draft night 
the Wizards, and I, I think he's got the opportunity to be really good. But there are no guarantees. It's all speculation. Hashtag Sam Bowie, right? So we don't know. And we'll get more into that later in the program. But the reality is we just don't know what's going to happen with these guys that are drafted. Um, you know, is LaMelo Ball going to be any good? We don't know. Is Anthony Edwards going to be any good? We don't know. Is James Wisman going to be any good? We don't know. They've shown that they can play basketball at a very high level, but that doesn't always translate to the NBA. So, and if you're listening to the show, you probably know that. You know, that's for the, I guess, less educated folks and the the people that aren't as into sports as some of us. But, you know, it's all the draft is all a crapshoot. I mean, you you do your due diligence, you do your research, you interview the guys, you watch the film, you watch them play live and you make your best guess. And, you know, certainly there are guys that you look at it and you say, well, that's a generational talent. You know, nobody thought that LeBron James was going to be a bust or nobody that really knew basketball thought that LeBron James was going to be a bust. We don't know anything about these guys that got drafted last week until they lace them up and get on the floor with other NBA talent. And then some of these guys are 19 and 20 years old, and it's going to take them a couple of years. Very few guys can step on the court as a teenager or a 20-year-old and ball out. So we'll find out down the road what these guys can do. But draft night's fun. Free agency's fun. I had a text thread going with a couple of my buddies that lasted three days because we talked about literally every free agent signing and every trade, and it was so much fun. On draft night, the guy that I felt the, both the best for and the worst for was Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is a guy that in this draft I looked at and I thought, I really like him. I, I watched some of his games when he was with Dayton because Dayton had a, a, a lot of um, hype surrounding them, especially as we started to get into the college basketball season. By the way, the draft this year was a little bit different because, well, everything's a little bit different this year. But, you know, usually by draft night, you've watched a full NCAA tournament, and that's really an opportunity to see guys that you don't see throughout the year. Because throughout the regular season of college basketball, you're either following your team and your conference or you're watching the nationally telecast games. So there are a lot of guys. John Morant's a perfect example. Nobody knew John Morant until really. I mean, guys did. But John Morant really exploded onto the scene during the NCAA tournament because he he put up some nice numbers and got a little bit more attention on a national level at the tournament, right? We didn't have that opportunity this year because there was no tournament. So there were a lot of these mid-major guys that and and guys from major conference teams that maybe didn't get a lot of TV time that we probably would have seen more of. I didn't watch much Villanova this year, so I didn't really know anything about Sadiq Bey until the Pistons drafted him. And then I went and started looking at highlights online and the kid can play. And I'm pretty excited about that pick. Um so without a tournament this year, it made the draft a little bit different. But Obi Toppin was a guy that I, I watched play, and I like him. Do I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? No, but he's, he's big. He can run the floor. He's a great rim runner. He can play some defense. I think he's got some upside on the offensive end of the floor. I really like him. And then he gets drafted by the Knicks. And the Knicks are spare parts. I I can't even begin to tell you what the Knicks are doing right now. Yeah, they've got R.J., um, Obi Toppin, I think, has, uh, has some potential. But I would have loved to have seen Obi Toppin get drafted by a team with 
a solid front office and a good coach and some veteran players around him and let him develop. Instead, he gets drafted by a team owned by James Dolan, coached by Tom Thibodeau, who I'm not a fan of. He's going to run the wheels off of these guys this year. They're going to hate him because that's what Tibbs does everywhere he goes. And, you know, that roster is spare parts. So I, I did kind of feel bad for Obi Toppin, but then you watch the video on draft night and he's a New York City kid. And is there anything better? If you New York is the mecca of basketball, I don't care what anybody else says. Anybody that argues with you about that is wrong. And I don't have a lot of hard and fast opinions, but apparently, according to TikTok, it is no nuance November. So we can just throw out our hot takes without any kind of context. New York City is the mecca of basketball. So if you're a kid that grew up in NYC and you get the opportunity to be drafted in the first round and put on Knicks gear and lace them up for the New York Knicks, that is a dream come true. So for that, I'm happy for Obi Toppin. For that, I'm super excited for him and his future. I just wish he'd had an opportunity to go to a team that's a little bit more developed and more organized. I'm not a fan of anything that James Dolan and the New York Knicks do. So uh, we'll see what happens with, with Obi. But again, it's all speculation. And that translates to the card market, and that's part of our main topic today, is that it's all speculation. Anybody that's telling you now, invest in this guy that got drafted at the number six pick uh, during the draft because he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day is lying to you. They're wrong. They're just making it up on the fly. The only thing that you can say on draft night is, we'll see what happens. We'll see. It's like the old Zen master said, we'll see. Um, NFL, couple of thoughts. Oh, by the way, one more thing. And again, a lot of money being spent in the NBA. Not much will be spent in the offseason by Major League Baseball. But the NBA was throwing around money. And the poster child for that, four years, $120 million in Charlotte for Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, who is on the downside now, I think, of his prime because of injury. And, I mean... From the franchise that drafted Frank Comiskey, here comes Gordon Hayward at four years, 120 mil. And that's actually a pretty big cap hit because they uh, they waived Nick Batum and stretched $9 million. And it's this the Gordon Hayward contract makes no sense. What Charlotte did made no sense to me, especially when you look at they've got some young guys uh, coming up and Devontae Graham and a couple of other guys that – um, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And again, I guess, right. Like I just said, there are no guarantees. Maybe Gordon Hayward turns back into all-star Gordon Hayward. I didn't see any of it. I don't think any of us saw any of that in Boston after the injury, but maybe, I don't know. Four years, $120 million for Gordon Hayward in 2020, though, seems like an awful lot. Anyway, NFL, um, I need some help guys. I need some help. You know that I'm the uh, president of the Justin Herbert fan club. Great day yesterday, by the way. 37 of 49, 366 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks on the same Sunday that Tua got pulled and Fitzmagic went back in. Um, And then couple that with 
just a horrendous injury for Joe Burrow. But what I need help with, and we'll get to Burrow in a moment, what I need help with is this. I On Sunday nights, knowing that I'm going to record on Monday mornings, and it's 9.23 on Monday morning as I sit here and say this right now, on Sunday nights, as I'm recording, as I'm getting ready to record the show the next day, I always go back and listen to the previous episode so that I so that there's some continuity, right? Um, I listen with a critical ear so that I can get better, but then I also listen and try to remember. Okay, we talked about this, so, so I want to make sure that I move that talking point forward, or I don't want to talk about this anymore because I've beat it to death. So I always listen to the previous week's show on Sunday night. I got a real problem. And my real problem is this. I can't stop calling them the San Diego Chargers. It's what I grew up with. You know, I, 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 I grew up with the San, I, I grew up in a world where the Chargers played in San Diego, as we all did. I mean, until a year ago, they did play in San Diego. But this is tough for me. I keep, I've managed to transition the Raiders to Las Vegas. And I think, in a way, because it's always kind of made sense because they're the outlaw franchise and it makes sense that they're in Las Vegas. I cannot, I called them the San Diego Chargers twice last week. And if I'm going to be president of the Justin Herbert fan club, I got to remember that they're the LA Chargers now, no matter what I might think. So I need help with this. I need, I, I, I need a mnemonic device or some memory aid to help me remember that the chargers no longer play in San Diego. They play in LA. Um, you know, I, I would imagine that it was tough when the Cardinals moved from St. Louis to Arizona. And yes, all you young guys out there that are big Kyler Murray fans in the days before Kyler and in the days before, Kurt Warner and in the days before Jake Plummer, the Cardinals played in St. Louis uh, in the days of Neil Lomax and Otis Anderson. I mean, they, they were the St. Louis Cardinals before they moved to Arizona, but that was different. They moved across the country. They didn't move a couple of hundred miles up the interstate. So I think it was probably easier to stop calling them the St. Louis Cardinals and start calling them the Arizona Cardinals than it is to stop calling the Chargers the San Diego Chargers. You know, the Chargers of Dan Fouts and Kellen Winslow and Charlie Joyner. I mean, those, those are the San Diego Chargers were iconic in the early 80s. So this is tough. So anyway, I, I, I'm calling myself, you know, I called myself out early on when I started recording because I used certain words way too much. Um, and I always I talk about listening to the show with a critical ear. It's part of my radio background, air checking yourself. So as I was listening there, listening last night, I was cringing every time I called them the San Diego Chargers because they are the Los Angeles Chargers now, like it or not. So I got to work on that. Um, Joe Burrow, tough stuff, man. He's out nine months to a year probably, and that's just that just stinks. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But you know, don't don't dump out of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to be a really good quarterback. He'll come back from this injury. He's shown that he's going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. He's still going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. He's just going to his 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 development is going to be delayed several months. That's all. He's a good quarterback. So don't dump out. If you're if you're in on Joe Burrow, now might be an opportunity when other people are jumping off to jump on. I'm not going to give you that advice necessarily, but at least think about it, look at it, look at the numbers. Because I think you are going to see 
some Joe Burrow sell-off. And if that happens, and that's your game, buy. I mean, it's not my game, but if it's yours, it's an opportunity to look at and find other people on the internet who you trust to get some advice from. More on that momentarily. This week's purchases, nothing. Still not buying anything. Still selling. Still selling. Not buying. Targeting some things. Formulating some strategy. Uh, again, I'm I'm just, the more and more I think about it, vintage cards are where I really, my passion lies. And that's really what I'm targeting now is some vintage stuff that I don't have that I want. So I'm selling in an effort to build up the PayPal account so that I can go out and get some vintage cards, especially some vintage baseball cards that I really want to have in my collection. Um, but uh, I've, I've been set, basketball's heating up with the draft. So I've just, I had, I had held back on, on, listing some some basketball stuff that I knew had some value so I'm starting to starting to get that out into the marketplace now and card ladder is a great tool I'm not in I I I I don't pay for card ladder I just follow them on on the socials and check out the free parts of the website Uh, but card ladder is a great tool and if you're in the game and you're uh, I'm not a big time investor but even for me card ladder is helpful um so Follow Card Ladder, follow guys that talk about Card Ladder because it's a really, really great tool for those of us in the hobby that are trying to sell or invest or or what have you. So Card Ladder is is a product that I am I feel good about. And I started watching some of the basketball stuff move on Card Ladder, and that's when I started getting more stuff listed on Card Ladder or on eBay based on analytics from Card Ladder. Um, content, social media shout outs, and this will lead us into today's main segment. Um, had a really fun time one night this week and I forget what it, it might've been Monday night or Tuesday night, but, uh, forever young sports cards, uh, forever young cards went live on Instagram and showed off the stuff that he bought at the sport at the card show in Dallas. And I just happened to be scrolling through my Instagram when I got the notification that he was going live. So I hopped on and we chatted and there were, I don't know, probably five or six guys in there, uh, a whole bunch of Chiefs fans, which was tough, but uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but it was, a, it was a good time. And it was just, it was just fun and, and just very relaxed. And he was just showing off cards that he bought, talking about why he bought them, telling stories about how he shouldn't have gone to the brewery before he went back to the card show because he was a little bit looser with his wallet once he'd had a few beers and was greased up uh, at the card show. But it was just fun. It was like sitting around your buddy's house or sitting at the card shop talking about cards. And it was fun. And, And we need more of that in the hobby. We need less people uh, yelling at you about, you know, doing their, their lousy Jim Cramer impersonation, yelling at you, telling you what you need to buy. And we need more guys like forever young cards, just going live and talking about the cards that he bought. It was just fun. It was just a good time. I mean, it was probably half an hour maybe that we were on the Instagram live people popping in and out. The chat was going and it was just fun. And, and again, we need more of that. Um, so shout out to uh, forever young cards again this week for uh, giving me a great moment. Uh, in the hobby through Instagram Live. Talked about Joe Burrow a minute ago. And ugly knee injury. He's he's out for several months. Um, and as that was, ha- I wasn't watching the Cincinnati WTF game 
yesterday I was watching uh, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. And, but the, the, of course that was the update, right? Like the, the live, the, the live update from Washington was that Joe Burrow had gone down and was being carted off the field and they showed the video of him being carted off. And then later I saw the video of the injury, but that leads me to say this. And I talked in one of my first few episodes about building your personal brand and your brand isn't your logo. Your brand is who you are and what you do. That's what your brand is. There is, in my opinion, no better example of brand building in the hobby right now than the sports card PT. What Chris has done with his personal brand is, frankly, and I'm not exaggerating, a case study in how to build a brand. He's a guy who has a particular skill set who loves sports and loves cards and applies his knowledge in a way that only he can to the hobby. To me, that is the pinnacle of brand building. And here's when I figured it out. Here's when I figured out that the sports card PT has built a brand better than anybody that I can think of in the hobby right now. And that's not to say that other guys have not done a good job because there are plenty of guys out there that are building really solid brands. And I talk about them on this show, but there are guys out there that are building really solid brands. But here's when I knew, here's the moment that I knew that the sports card PT, and if you're not following him, following him on Instagram, push pause on the podcast right now, open up your Instagram account, search the sports card PT and follow him right now. It's very, very rarely will I just tell you what to do. And right now I'm telling you, if you're not following him, follow the sports card PT. But here's where I knew that he had built a great brand. Because as soon as I saw the news about the Joe Burrow injury, as soon as I saw the news about the Joe Burrow injury, I opened up my Instagram I found the sports card PT's page and I refreshed it. And then I kept going back throughout the afternoon, waiting for him to post about Joe Burrow's injury. That is when you know you've built a great brand in an industry. When you become the trusted resource, when you become the guy that everybody wants to go to, to get more information, you have built a great brand. So Chris, congratulations because you have done it, man. And I don't know what the future plans are, if there's a YouTube channel planned or, or a website or any, or if this is it. And if this is it, that's cool. That is super cool because you have built a great brand and this is what everyone should strive for in not just the hobby, but in whatever you do, be the, be the resource. And that struck me yesterday afternoon and I don't know, an hour or so he had a post up and then this morning he had a more thorough, well-researched post and he goes into great de- detail. He talks about the in- injury. He, he talks about the mechanics of it, the anatomy of it. He talks about what the, the uh, treatment and rehab is like and then he talks about what the long-term outlook is. I mean, he hits all of those markers for every significant injury in major sports. Football, basketball, baseball, every time in the last several months there has been a major injury, Chris has posted about it and talked about it 
in depth so that you, as both a sports fan and a collector or investor, know what you're dealing with. So that right there is, to me, the absolute pinnacle, the case study for brand building in this hobby. Because Chris is now a trusted resource for hundreds, if not thousands of people who are going to his page to get more information on a significant injury to a player that they're buying cards of. And my hat is off because I work in the business of, of marketing and branding and, and selling a product. And you just can't do it any better than that. So all credit to what he's been able to do. And he's been able to do it because he's just doing it for the right reasons. He's not trying to sell the information. He's not trying to make money. He's not trying to monetize it. And I think that's the mistake that too many people make. They try to monetize what they're doing they, before they know what they're doing. He's not trying to monetize it. He's just doing it for the love of it. And it's, it's a really cool thing. So hats off, Sports Card PT. Give him a follow. Invaluable information. And that goes right into today's main topic. And this is kind of the preamble to what we're going to talk about today. Um, Sports Cards Analytics... Uh, started using a hashtag this week called Hobby Unity. And I'm all in. I am all in on Hobby Unity. And what is Hobby Unity? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a nebulous concept, I suppose. But to me, what Hobby Unity means is finding your people, finding people that you trust, finding people that you like, and building that community. And in some ways, at least for me, turning a deaf ear or a blind eye to the people that are not in it for the right reasons. You know, and I made the joke a minute ago about, you know, the guys that are on YouTube or on their podcast doing their lousy Jim Cramer impersonation and they're telling you to buy, they're telling you to sell, you know, they're all out there telling you to buy uh prism draft of the guys that just got drafted this week. Trust me when I tell you that in a year or two years, you do not want a card of Anthony Edwards in his Georgia uniform or James Wisman in his Memphis uniform. You know, do you want John Moran in his Duke or in his, his uh, Murray state uniform? Do you want Zion in his Duke uniform? No. What you want is you want these guys, their first cards in their NBA uniforms. So if you're blowing a bunch of money right now on unproven prospects in the NBA draft, because some guy on a YouTube channel was telling you to buy it, that's not hobby unity. That's throwing good money after bad. So hobby unity is a thing that I've been thinking a lot about this week. And, and really, too, I, I talked a couple of weeks ago about when Jordan from Sports Card Analytics uh, did his music video and invited me to participate. And I felt like, you know, imposter syndrome because my cards were very, very different than everybody else's cards. But again, like I always say, the hobby is a big tent and there's room for all of us underneath of it. And that was Jordan saying the hobby's a big tent. There's room for all of us. Be a part of this. That's hobby unity. Hobby unity is not some guy with a bad haircut telling you to buy, I don't know, uh, Obi Toppin cards, right? That that that's not hobby unity. That's and 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 he's charging you a price to get that information, right? 
he's charging you to tell you that, you know, James Wisman is a future Hall of Famer, buy his cards right now. That's not hobby unity. That's shilling. So I've been thinking a lot about this concept of hobby unity and what I just talked about with Chris at the Sports Card PT is hobby unity because he is a guy that I identified and I started following and I think I started following him because I heard him on Brett's podcast on stacking slabs, right? And it's finding those trusted resources and it's it's finding those people that you like and building a community around it. You know, I talk all the time about these guys. I talk about Brett from Stacking Slabs. I talk about sports Jordan at Sports Card Analytics. I talk about Chris from the Sports Card PT. I talk about Andy, the Sports Card Investigator. I shout out Forever Young Cards. I shout out the guys that I chat with on Instagram, right? And I do that because I, I like them and I want more people to listen to them and watch them and pay attention to them. Not because I'm getting anything out of it. And frankly, other than subscribers and views, they're not really getting anything out of it either because they're not monetizing their product. And to me, that's a big part of this. And yeah, all those guys sell cards and I sell cards, but I don't talk about my eBay store on the podcast. I don't talk about my eBay store on my Instagram account. My podcast and my Instagram and, and my, my, my content presence is all about the cards and the sports. It's not about the sales. And for all these other guys, they sell on eBay. They sell on different platforms, but they don't talk about it. They talk about it in broad strokes like, hey, I sold this card for X number of dollars and I, you know, that's it. They don't promote the actual sales. And I think that for me is a real differentiator. I'm aware that they all sell cards, but if you're building a good brand, people are going to find your stuff if they want to, right? That's why I don't talk about my eBay store. And that's why I don't talk about my eBay store on my Instagram account. I'm just trying to develop. And for me, I'm, I'm behind Chris, right? Like sports card PT, it's like that friend that you had when you were a little kid that knew exactly what they wanted to be when they grew up and then they just became it. Or when you were in college and someone was in a major because they knew without question, this is what they wanted to do with their life. It's somewhat analogous to that in that, um, Chris has a thing. Sports card PT has a thing. Jordan sports card analytics. He has a thing. Andy sports card investigator. He's got a thing. It's the superpower that Brett always talks about, but they, that's their brand for me. I just love cards and I love sports and I'm trying to figure out exactly what the brand is. I know that it has to be authentic, so I always strive for authenticity, and I always try try to be honest about things. But I don't exactly know what my brand is. I'm gonna, I'm I'm working toward it. I'm getting there, and I feel like I'm getting closer every week. And maybe you are too. Maybe with your collecting, you're figuring it out as you go. And we talk a lot about that. Last week, I said chart your own path. We're all figuring it out, but we're building a brand. And part of that brand for me is I'm not trying to monetize everything I do. Because I think once you do that, then you, you, you're just shilling, right? You're just, you're just peddling a product and you're not really engaging people. You're not trying to be informative as much as you're trying to be uh, entertaining to the point where people want to give you money. Or there's just enough truth in what you're saying that people want to pay for it. That's not hobby unity. So I've been thinking a lot about hobby unity, which sidebar has led me to, in my head, singing that 
Queen Latifah song from 1993, U-N-I-T-Y, in my head, like, all weekend long. Like, all weekend, I've been walking around the house going, U-N-I-T-Y, that spells unity. Um, that, so that, <laughs> that's kind of the sidebar to uh, Jordan's hobby unity hashtag is that I've had Queen Latifah uh, running through my head, which I have to go back and look, but I think she even won a Grammy for that. Like best solo hip hop performance, maybe I don't know. It was a bet. It was from '93. It was all about um, women empowerment. It was. A, it's a cool song. It's a good jam. Uh, but U N I T Y by Queen Latifah. Um, and yes, Queen Latifah used to be a rapper uh, long before she was an actress and spokesperson for different products on television. See, I'm just educating people today. The Cardinals, the the Arizona Cardinals, used to be in St. Louis. Queen Latifah had a whole musical career that some of you may not even know about. It's a it's a burden being the old guy in the room. Um, so yeah, so hobby unity is a is a thing, right? And I think we should. I, so I I just want to say this. I want us all to keep that in mind. If you're listening to this show, I think you get it. Because if you're listening to this show, you're not somebody that's out there looking for picks and looking for advice and looking for some inside information on what you should buy next or what you should sell next. You're somebody who just wants to talk about sports and cards and listen to somebody ramble for 35 to 40 minutes a day. Um, you're not you're not here because you're I think I've done a good job, I guess, of of establishing what the expectation of this program should be. I'm, I'm 17 or 18 episodes into this. I think this is the 18th episode. I'm, I've kind of established like what the, what the expectation should be. And I'm not here. I, I tried that once and I felt so phony and I realized that's not who I am. And I'm sitting on a stack of Hunter Renfro rookie cards as the price to that. Like that's my penance is that now I have to try to dump Hunter Renfro rookie cards because I started to go down the wrong path. But then I figured it out for myself, and I figured out that's not who I want to be. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to try to flip Daryl Henderson cards, right? So now I'm here, and I'm talking about hobby unity because Jordan brought it up this week, and I think that that is something that we need more of. We need more people that are just out here trying to build a community, and that's what I'm trying to do, and that's what... Jordan is trying to do and all these other guys they're about the community they're not about the quick buck they're not about subscribers that are paying for information they're just about the love of the hobby the love of the sports and the love of the community and that's what I want to be about speaking of which uh, before I wrap up I want to mention a couple of things one um, I talked uh, I've talked a few times about Forever Young Sports Card, um, and he's a he's a good dude. He's just a chill, like super good guy. Um, but I also want to say he's got a cool logo, um, and his wife does embroidery, and she embroidered some shirts for him before he went to the sports co- uh, sports show in Dallas. And um, her Instagram is called the Stitch Kiss. And her work's really good. And I checked it out on Instagram, and uh, she did a great job of embroidering his logo on those shirts. And this is all, like, absolutely 100% unsolicited. But uh, if you're looking for any kind of embroidered stuff, check out the Stitch Kiss 
on Instagram. It's really cool stuff, and she did a great job with his logo. So I wanted to say that. Uh, I actually meant to say that last week, and I forgot it. It was down at the bottom of my show notes. So I'm I'm making amends today by shouting out uh, the Stitch Kiss on uh, on Instagram. Um, and then the other thing that I want to say before I get out of here today and for the week is that allegedly there's going to be a new episode of the Luca Show on YouTube tonight. So if you're listening to this on Monday, it's Monday night. But if you're listening to this after Monday, it should be up. But we should have a new episode of the Luca Show uh, uploaded this week, and I'm super excited about it. G posted in his stories over the weekend that a new show was coming Monday. So I'm super jacked for a new episode of the Luca Show uh, tonight. Um, And I think that'll do it for today. Keep hobby unity in mind. Keep the community in mind. And if you see somebody that's not in it for the right reasons, think critically about what they're saying and move on. And find people that are just out here to just spread love and spread knowledge and build community. We need more of that in this hobby today. More community, more love. That'll do it for me, folks. As always, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. Uh, Check me out on the socials uh, at WV Cardboard, Instagram, and Twitter. Email WVCardboard at gmail.com, and the website is WVCardboard.com. Connect with me. Let's have a conversation. I'll see you next week. Peace, love, and penny sleeves. Connect with Mountain State Cardboard on Instagram at WVCardboard. Our theme music is performed and produced by John Ingram. Visit our show page on Anchor, anchor.fm slash WVCardboard. This podcast is a member of the 3BG Podcasting Network, a production of 3BG Media. All rights reserved.